Welcome to Take Note. I miss Ryan Sly already. Adam, sometimes I feel like he should just be a part of the podcast and that people enjoy him more than they enjoy us. Maybe some kind of weird inferiority complex. Yeah, man, I, I think you're bringing that on yourself. Like, I, there, There's literally nowhere you could have gotten any feedback in the last week that they enjoy him more than they enjoy us. That's all in your head. I mean, it may be true, but you've got no evidence of this, right? Well, I just, I just, I know what I hear. I love having him on the show. I know what I hear. Uh, You are, you are listening to Take Note. This is our podcast about listening and hearing, visiting, enjoying each other's company. Waiting nine weeks until our absent third reappears. Indeed. Counting down the, counting down the days. How you doing, Adam? I'm doing pretty well. Only 63 left. What are you uh, What are you writing on right now? I got a Field Notes Hatch print notebook, but the pencil I'm using is more interesting. Limited edition New Yorker Musgrave pencils. They sold out very quickly. Uh, wow. About a year and a half ago, I'd say. Um, I ordered them, and they did not send them to me. And then I, it took quite some time, but I was able to hunt them down because I knew that there had to be someone at the New Yorker who really wanted someone to, who was into pencils to get them. And, uh, and I got a box sent to me eventually. There was a pencil champion who made the whole thing happen that you just needed to find. Yeah, there was, there needed to be somebody that would appreciate, uh, I forget the term for it, but every article on the New Yorker has this little header uh above it that's like the section department the section of the new yorker that changes um and and they have these section names on the pencil so you got to be a real new york new yorker nerd and a pencil nerd and this pencil i'm using this musgrave pencil says notes from all over so did you get that from the new yorker or from musgrave well i can't say where i got it from the new yorker was selling them and the fulfillment department, the third-party fulfillment de- department, completely screwed up. So most of the people that ordered the pencils got notebooks, and the people that ordered notebooks might have got pencils. And then when you went to buy them, they were all gone. Um, so I can't say, but I found an inside source, and I expressed at the, the New Yorker. I can't say. Is it David Remnick? <laughs> Richard Brody. I, I said, <laughs> uh, listen. I don't understand these reviews, but I read them intensely, but waiting for the moment that it all unlocks and makes sense to me. Um, I think you're right about Nathan for you, Richard Brody, and um, not Nathan for you, the other one, the new show. Anyways, that's enough about these pencils. What are you writing in? Uh, I'm writing my traveler's notebook still. I'm actually, I started it around Christmas time almost done with it feels like a decent pace although when i say it out loud a month to fill out a notebook i guess doesn't sound that decent of a pace uh i'm writing with a bic crystal that's uh the the end cap is missing it, it started to crack it's taped together with a little bit of scotch tape i can just pull the refill right in and out uh, really, you know what's uh, not spoken of often is that a big crystal is very well weighted for fidgeting and doing the little f- snap, spin it across the thumb maneuver. Mm-hmm. 
that I've been doing since I was about 12. It's a good pen for that. Solid. We should make a little video of you doing that snap, spinning across the thumb maneuver. Post it to all the social medias we're not using. I mean, nobody, <laughs> nobody talks about that maneuver anymore once you're not 12, but uh, some of us never gave it up. I was never Every episode, up. you never were, you, you couldn't, did you, you tried, that must have been sad, kind of slightly yeah. sad. I guess I could work on it now. I mean, you're never yep. too old for these things. Uh, there's probably a TikTok wormhole dedicated solely to weird pen flipping tricks. Not, I'm not going to be the one to find that wormhole, but more power to you. Uh, every episode, we ask each other, what do you got? Means, what have you written down in that Hatch notebook lately? Adam, what do you got? Just keep on second. He's yep. flipping the pages. He's finding his notebook entry. He's ready to read it to us. Okay. I've written ghost and child voice every time I look at my book. And I think I should explain what this means. Nah, nah, I don't think so. Okay. I think it, I think, yeah. <laughs> please, please go on. So I was walking past an apartment building, uh, reading, reading my book. I think I was reading Lady into Fox. This was, you know, I, I discussed last week that I turned into a, a real monster who just wouldn't stop reading even sure. when I had other things to do. And yeah. um, as I was walking past this apartment building, I heard, Hey, you. And I looked up. And I couldn't see anybody. I looked around a little bit, tried to figure out whether... And I put my my head back in the book, and I heard, Over here. <laughs> and I looked up, and I spent... I did a couple laps, because I was enjoying this so much. But uh, presumably a child, uh, anytime I put my head in a book, would go, Over here. And uh, <laughs> so I tried a few different moves. You know, like I, uh, as I walked away, I waved without looking back. And, um, I, you know, I had a big smile on my face, big shrug, you know, I was playing up that I couldn't see him trying to, you know, show them that they were entertaining me. Um, one, one time they went, do you know where I am? <laughs> uh, they did it to some other people too, who were creeped out and refused to look twice, but not me. Free entertainment. Yep. So that's a ghost Get and child voice every time I look at my book. <laughs> what do you got Ted um well I just uh let's see this is a quote Mac the Knife is a song chained to one chord it's a pop tune with no exit and there's a line from The Rest is Noise listening to the 20th century by Alex Ross which we very boldly proclaimed that we would be reading in the new year. I am reading it in the new year. Well, we're going to talk uh, about a couple hundred too, right? A couple hundred pages. Yeah, yeah you, you've started it. You're going to make your way. I just wanted to, I just wanted to, you know, key the audience in that this is happening. Uh, should they want to read along, we'll probably dedicate a whole episode to it at some point. Um, it's a really interesting book about uh, classical music, quote unquote. I don't, I can't figure out if that's 
like a, an okay term. He, he doesn't use that term a lot. He's used it a few times, but you know, what you would think of as classical music in the 20th century. Um, the, the Germans in the, at the turn of the century were pretty interesting weirdos. And, uh, well, really the Germans, the <laughs> Germans bring a lot of the, they bring a lot of the thunder to this book. Uh, they're the weirdest and the, the, uh, sometimes the Naziist ist and, um, a lot of a lot of strange German music stuff going on. Hitler shows up but right in a, that first section. Maybe the question is whether he was really there. Do you know where I am? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's your famous Hitler impression. I got so close as I can come. Um, so it's a really uh, it's a really good book. I, I think it's very difficult to write about music, and. You know, Alex Ross, he doesn't dumb anything down. I mean, he gets into music theory. A simple tune circles around and around, coming to rest repeatedly on an added sixth chord, a C major triad plus the note A, which was a favorite device of Debussy. Oh, Debussy with his C major triad. Uh, That sounds fantastic. A lot of that is that, but once you kind of give yourself over to it and, you know... Uh, uh, embrace your own limitations or maybe you I don't know maybe you're you're uh, you're some kind of music wizard and it'll all make sense to you but um, it's it's good reading we're not music wizards but I'm I'm optimistic that well you're more of a music wizard than I am that uh, some of that's I'm gonna hold on to some of that music like some of it will start to make sense like what you just said about the 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 A being the favorite note or whatever, you know, and the playing the same chord, uh, no exit to the thing. I'm, I'm hoping that some of that sticks with me. I think, you know, I don't know if I've ever really felt like I had a good doorway into classical music. It's always seemed like one of those things that, well, I could learn about that, but I, it would take a lot of time. And this book, you know, it, it's not like you can memorize every detail that rolls by, but it it's really good at talking about what the music is trying to evoke and, you know, the ambitions of the music and making that accessible, you know, like an audience member can feel something and that's the, you know, that's the purpose of the music, even if the, the theory behind it is very complicated. So... He does a good job of, of talking about how the composers want people to feel and what they're, you know, what they, what they want to accomplish and and the different ways that they do that, and what's familiar to an audience. You know, and that's always interesting. Is like, is like you know, this little trill at the end of the fourth movement would have uh, reminded listeners of the folk music that they heard, you know, at Christmas time. Things like that are, are pretty fascinating. And, um, you know, I, I've i listened to a lot more classical music once since I started this book. It, you know, some of these German composers have some context for me and, and I can start to identify some of their character um, instead of them just being sort of names, names that float by. So that context really brings the music to life, which, you know, you listen to 
NPR, and that guy always comes on at the end and says, hmm, Kurt Wheel was, uh, was involved in a, a four-way con operation at the time he composed. And that's fine, but that doesn't stick in the same way that like a, you know, evolving narrative does, where these composers are real characters that take on dimension. It's good times. Sounds good. Um, yeah. Are you writing in your book? Because I know at some point we discussed that we would compare marginalia. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah, yeah. No, I am. I mean, I'm not. I'm not setting the world on fire with my marginalia. There's some wows and some LOLs. You know, I, I, what I find about my marginalia is that often I'm writing like a header for a, you know someone who I want to remember. Um, okay, now he's talking about bar talk. I know that when I leave through the book, I'm not going to like find the section about bar talk. I'm just going to leave through and see where I wrote the name bar talk at the top because I knew that's how I would find the section on bar talk. Can't remember anything about bar talk right now, of course. Um, but uh, so so sometimes it's more notes for me to like know where to reference something than it. I admire people who, who like talk to the book. I it doesn't always come naturally to me. Like, how could you ever say that about Mahler? That's I'm not quite. I don't quite have that level of. Most, I don't know what that is. Mostly, that I just voice. write ha in the margin when I think something's funny. Yeah, I yeah yeah. yeah. I've gone with LOL because it seems sort of slightly more ironic to write LOL on the pages of a book, <laughs> but that's just. That's just how cutting and hilarious my sense of humor LOL, is. LOL, bar talk. <laughs> uh, what else you got, Adam? All right, well, I need... Um, I visited a new local pizza place in the village, but I'm not going to use the name of the place. So I'm going to say, excited to visit Bar Talk's famous pizza. When I walk sure. in... Hello. <laughs> LOL. When I walk in, I see that the owner has abandoned his table by the window but left his paperwork and used flosser on the table. Oh, yes. Uh -huh. Also, I wrote, um, reading about cubism and trompe l'oeil from the New York Review books while in the grimy pizzeria was exquisite. Trompe l'oeil is uh, like the painted illusion. Like if you, uh, if your painting is of a picture that's on a piece of wood, you're painting the piece of wood, you're painting the pictures so that you can see that it looks like paper, even though it's uh, a painting on oil and canvas. The rabbit looks like it's really hanging on the wall. No, the, the, the curtain in front of the rabbit is painted on as well, that kind of thing. Yeah, the, sure. yes, got it. Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. The nail through the right, got it. I wasn't envisioning it that way. All right, but that, so... This, reading this article was exquisite, but uh, even better, it wasn't a grimy pizzeria. It was the illusion of a grimy pizzeria with fake graffiti on the wall. So I was, uh, I was at the Trompe Pizzeria, Bartok's Trompe Pizzeria, while reading about cubism and Trompe I recommend looking it up in the New York Review books. Really good article. Now, did you, did you Trompe Loy the pizzeria as a way of escaping your your actual surroundings by rendering it into art no 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 that was like it's like a 90s vibe like it's it's really it's like a nostalgic grab it's like a brand new place that's supposed to look uh, 90s ish so they got fake 
uh, fake graffiti on the wall. I actually couldn't tell. Oh. Yeah. I couldn't tell if the the graffiti was fake or if there was real graffiti, I'm guessing, sprayed somewhere else. And then the fake brick wall came in over the real, you know, it wasn't, they, nobody did spray paint it on, the, on a brick wall. It was like fake brick walls well, with graffiti on it. I'm going to say you should have uh, flipped through that pile of receipts on the table <laughs> to see if one of them was for uh, bad boys <laughs> uh, graffiti <laughs> creative services right. for, you know, $99.99 uh, custom, custom spray job. Custom spray job. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love it. Some, some Trump loy. For your Trumploy. Trumploy for my Trumploy. All right. The, the, the owner occupying a table genre is... Mm. Yeah, okay, we, we should go into this because I'm very disappointed in myself. I th- This Bartok's Pizza is uh, <laughs> not exactly a spinoff, but it's the second restaurant in the neighborhood. Uh, it's a few blocks away from their other restaurant, which I don't want to say the name of either, that is very popular and an excellent restaurant. And when this guy would sit at the table, I kind of thought it was cool. He sat at the back table. It made it feel like a neighborhoody sort of place. And it that was an excellent restaurant. I would describe it as a restaurant that's expensive, but you never feel like it's overpriced. Um, and this pizza place is very good, too. It's just a shame the flosser was on the table. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Um but but so once this flosser was on the table and he'd abandoned it, and I knew I didn't even have to see him there to know that that was his table and that he'd abandoned it. He came by later, right around the time I was taking a picture of the flosser uh, to text it to my wife. Um, and um, I zoomed in. I could show you later. We'll put it in the show notes. Probably not. No, please. <laughs> yeah. Please no, I know. I know. Um, but but I was disappointed because I, I realized that um, – the guy that's leaving his table dingy for his employees is like not the best boss in the world. And so I felt really stupid forever having been like, oh, it's kind of cool that the owner is sitting in the corner <laughs> with his paperwork. It gives it like a, a neighborhoody vibe. It really bothered me that I had misjudged that one for so long. Something about it just right off the bat, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I I suppose I've seen it somewhere along the way. I don't remember, but I just have a negative connotation about, I guess, breaking the, the fourth wall of a restaurant theater somehow. Yeah. It's... I do. I like that part of the bear, that show the bear where, uh, you know, they spend all that time in his grubby little office just like squishing his way through paperwork that he's clearly not completing in the appropriate manner <laughs> you know which part of the bear i liked impossible germany tell me impossible germany oh yeah that's right yeah yeah, yeah. that's cool a very chicago tv show yes oh lots of angst Mm-hmm. lots of angst and cigarettes out in the cold and behind the restaurant Ooh. yeah it's very stressful it is. It is. So we're going to talk today, now that we're done with the bear and bar talk, about times that we are against notebooks. This has been bar talk. This has been bar talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
We're gonna speaking of cur- make the sound that the classical music is making <laughs> is making to you. Can you just make the sound so we can have an idea what's going on with the classical music? All right, now we are going to talk about the times that were against notebooks. Always a very popular topic for a pro notebook podcast. Uh, we talked about it. We might we might have a cadre of hate listeners out there who yeah. just have been waiting for the opportunity to finally crap on notebooks yep. after all this time. Yeah, we did a little bit. We talked about when a phone is better uh, based on yeah. uh, author of the Flaneur, one of her books. I'm blanking on the name right now. Um, Flaneuse. Flaneuse, one of the, the author of the Flaneuse. Um, Elkin? Maybe not. Oh, yeah, I think that's right, Lauren Elkin. Yep, Lauren Elkin, great. Uh, so I was reading Haruki Murakami's uh, collection of essays, Novelist is a Vocation, essays about writing. It's a very weird and defensive book. It is, I think, <laughs> my least favorite Murakami book. I know you're not a Murakami fan. I am. I've read 10 of his books, and this one, not my favorite, um, just because it's it's quite odd, but there there is some wisdom in there. There is also, however, a long passage in which he talks about how uh, he doesn't like notebooks. He says uh, it's possible to jot your ideas down on a notepad or something of the sort, but I prefer to trust my mind. It's a real pain to carry a pad around, and I have found that once I have jotted something down, I tend to relax and forget it. This reminded me that George Saunders last summer wrote on his Substack, uh, I don't keep notebooks or journals of ideas or images or phrases or anything like that. My assumption is that if something wants and needs to show up in a story of mine, I'll remember it or even misremember it and it will force its way in. So this, of course, has not been my experience, Ted. Sure. Yeah. So... My first reaction was that Murakami's statement didn't surprise me at all because he's clearly a complete weirdo (laughs) and probably would admit to as much and his books are bizarre. For some reason, the Saunders Saunders quote caught me off guard, but then I stopped to think, wait, in all of the writing he's done about writing – from a full book to a substack, he's never once mentioned writing down an idea. So, okay, actually, that kind of perfectly tracks. But they're both novelists or, you know, fiction writers. And I wonder if, you know, something about the cult of their own creativity lends itself to uh, staying away from... I don't know, keeping a running tally or whatever. Uh, it, I mean, the, the, from a creative standpoint, I could see it. But from an actually remembering an idea standpoint, I, don't, I mean, I don't remember anything. I guess both of them would say, well, first, you know, I, some people don't want to write things down in notebooks. And uh, as much as, uh, you know, we don't, agree that's fine and some people don't need to great so it could be as simple as that uh i also suppose that if you're a uh, creative writer you may be working on what's fresh in your mind every day and so you may not 
uh, need to um, dig into the archives to find your idea, right? You might, uh, part of being a successful writer might be successfully or regularly just generating these ideas, um, yeah. being creative and having the time to be creative. It's a weird book. Everybody should read it. There's a, there's a lot of good ideas in it, and there's a lot of really <laughs> weird defensive stuff. Uh, there's a, a lot of the essays are like, um, you know, I don't really have a lot of opinions about literary prizes. Some people think I'm upset that I didn't win these, but I never was because literary prizes aren't good. It's a weird book. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, so this this did get me thinking, though, about times that I am against notebooks myself yep um which which isn't often but it does happen and there so the first one and i wonder if this ever happens to you do you ever hear something or see something and you have this gut reaction oh this is great for the notebook and maybe especially because we do the show but even you know the one that i'm thinking of recently it, it's something i would never even talk about on the show i just it was this personal moment i heard this someone was telling me something like a very strange story not anything that i would even be entertaining enough to repeat on the show oh this is great for the notebook i thought and i realized that like it really took me out of the moment and mm. so i think we we definitely talk about using the notebook to like keep you present and pay attention but um but sometimes it's really you know it's it can separate you from what's going on and from having just like a, um, not a heart to heart. That's not what I'm looking for, but like, a having a real conversation, yeah. even like, I'm not going to go write it down right away, but it's just that thought. I'm going to write this down later. This is great. This is fascinating. Um, well, even that thought, can you know, you, out of it. you, you said even just now, you know, it's not a story that I could, you know, in so many words, do justice to myself and I think you know even by deigning to think that you could write it down in your notebook in a way that would somehow preserve it or recreate it is a little disingenuous and maybe kind of at the root of it is like if someone just told you a story and you enjoyed their telling of it the translation to a notebook is going to inherently feel kind of like you know, lesser than, I mean, I suppose you could, you could make an, I, it's like, you almost think the note would be so-and-so just told me an amazing story about a, a guy who lost his orange in a saxophone rather than trying to recount the whole story of the saxophone and the orange. Right. Right. Yeah. Just so the telling of it is the being present. Right. But yeah, no, I, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Do you are there times that you uh that you're against notebooks or that you find that it creates like I mean we've talked about sometimes the social barrier that it creates. I think yeah, I think there's this, I mean I don't think there's a huge difference or or it might be worth exploring the difference between say the the compulsion to tweet and the compulsion to write something down like if you're truly in the moment um with a friend or something and you want to stop what you're doing to write it down, is that much different than the kind of, is it sort of narcissistic or 
or uh, uh, self-important to to cut short the interaction. I mean, I, I find that on a very regular basis. I mean, I I I, I guess I could say I I am against my notebook when really it's just reminding me of everything that I'm not capturing. You know, even when I sit down for the podcast and look through it and everything seems like some uninteresting fragment that was barely worth the time I spent or, you know, some little note that's, you know, seemed interesting at the time but has kind of lost its luster. Even that gives me a sense of, like, deflation like is this okay what am i why am i bothering to do all this if it's uh if it's not even seeming like it's it's i'm using my whole brain that i'm just kind of going halfway and you know maybe that should be a challenge to myself but uh it's never fun when something reminds you that you're not meeting your own expectations see i like the frivolous notes or writing something down from a book that um, maybe is, you know, not anything that I will use beyond just writing it down in the notebook, um, right? Like, it's not some quote that we're going to put in our commonplace book at the end of the year or anything like that, just some quote that I liked. I like that because I, like, I think that is, like, pausing and, like, pausing to pay attention to the quote and just paying attention to it is 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 good enough right paying attention to it by writing it down in the notebook i've done something i've like the notebook was for something um i think that's well said yeah i mean sometimes you know the the story example i think is a good one because it can be hard to gauge what you're getting into when you start a note you know i like like feeling a complex feeling and thinking it's something wonderful to record and then sitting down to write it and feeling like you are just coming short or it's your something's pulling your attention away so you only got to write two sentences and the two sentences are just the setup and then the rest it just trails away quickly I mean, I, I find that happening a lot but I think your your method or or, or your way of saying, you know, let me just capture this little moment. I think that that could help, you know, f- distilling it down, thinking a little bit about the note before you lay it, start writing so that maybe you are just capturing the moment. I think, you know, your your example or your what do you got that you read, you know, where it was that lovely little poetical phrase that you obviously, you know, it sounds good in and of itself, but it also kind of spurred you into remembering the whole episode of the, the small ghost. Um, I thought that was a really good example because it's a little musical interlude, but you're not putting pressure on yourself to like, you know, write out the entire interaction. Which for me, I have a lot of trouble finishing those. Right. Once I get them started. Yeah, and one of the nice things about this show too is that when I write just a few words like ghost and child voice every time I look at my book is um I get to tell the story on the show so I haven't um just lost the point of it entirely by not going back to it and writing something 
down like uh you know like a writer using a notebook to collect ideas would like you know not murakami or no. saunders but uh david sedaris right that's what he does but many other a few, many other writers. right uh he writes a few little words and then later he expands on it and we don't live the art life that allows us to expand on every idea we have or to generate them without writing them down ahead of time um so it, but at least we we have the podcast life and we can relive them a little bit there uh, you know i wonder going kind of going back to the example that i gave of when i'm uncomfortable with it i also it reminds me of i think some people will tell me a story because they know i like a good story um <laughs> and then i will go and jot it down which they may or may not know um but like and it almost feels uh when i'm writing it down in my notebook like it was transactional right this person gave me a good story because they know i appreciate something as a story i don't need to be empathetic in that situation right sometimes if i go and copy something down i feel like it took me out of the moment even just thinking that later i need to write this down took me out of the moment and i wasn't maybe completely in you know empathetic in the moment or i, I wasn't in the moment but other times someone is telling me a story that I don't really need to be in the moment for. And I think to myself, I'm going to write this down. And it all in the end feels almost a little transactional. This person has told me a story because they know that I like a good yarn. And then I have, I don't know, just like jotted it down later. Like I've completed the, uh, completed the equation or something. You know, story plus Adam equals like it's Like it's just another bobble for you to collect. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, you're a jerk. <laughs> I, well, I think I I'm think passing that... for what it's worth. I, don't, I think it's all in my head. I don't think anyone knows that this is going on. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, listening to someone's good story is a generous act, you know. Uh, I'm happy for you to be hard on yourself. If you weren't hard on yourself, we wouldn't have a podcast, but... Um, you don't have to be hard on yourself because, uh, you know, you were in the moment, you, you listened to someone's story, you let them share, you, I mean, it, by writing it down in a sense, you're, you're giving even more time to, to the person's experience. You're revisiting it. I don't think that's, I, I think that's admirable. I mean, imagine if someone was like, man, your story was so good. I wrote it down. How flattered would you be? Yes. Yeah. And here you are beating yourself up about it that you spent more time reflecting on how nice it was that that, that person unspooled a yarn for your enjoyment. Yeah. So, you know, the last time we talked about the being against notebooks, we did get one comment back from a listener who was quite concerned. Um, so, you know, I'm not beating myself that up that hard about it. I think in uh, in the... In the spirit of the show, paying attention, I am paying attention to what I sometimes, but very rarely, feel when I write down a note. Or when I'm, like, too excited to write yeah. down a note is what I would uh, describe it as. Like, when I'm greedy for the note, you know? <laughs> I, the the comparison to Twitter still rings true, because I, I, like... I think I liked myself least in the world of social media when I felt the most smug and self-satisfied about a tweet. 
it doesn't sound dissimilar to what you're describing. And, you know, I don't know what I was expecting to happen after tweeting, but it, <laughs> it, it never, nothing ever did almost to the point where you feel like you've got this addiction that can never be sated and, but you keep trying. I mean, I don't think there's a downside to enjoying writing a note. I understand. I mean, I think it's in, in a, in the same league as wanting to finish a notebook and are you are you are you more interested in finishing the notebook or using it in a way that enriches your life which happens to finish a notebook i don't know but does it matter it's i think it's a victimless crime uh, of course of course yeah a crime nonetheless but a crime <laughs> without a victim <laughs> guilty <laughs> let's do this again next week adam what do you say buddy uh guilty <laughs> uh, you can find us on the internet at takenote.space I encourage you to go there and sign up for our newsletter it, it is on Substack we are publishing it regularly we're uh, putting little notes of interest in there things things that, uh, that we're putting a little effort into maybe you know they, they overlap with what we talked about on the show maybe they start off and new directions and circle back around. Hopefully there's some kind of intersection and overlap. Um, hold on a sec, because I always get the Patreon wrong. Patreon.com slash take note. Okay. Three, two, one. If you would like to support the show, besides just listening, which is awesome, um, we do have a Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash take note. We don't have any minimums. We don't have any uh, fancy bells and whistles. We're not going to screen print you a t-shirt with Adam's face on it at a certain level. Uh, we make very few promises, except that your contribution uh, it's really awesome and helps us cover the you know relatively meager costs of publishing the podcast and for those of you who do support the show man it's really cool it's something I don't think we really ever thought would uh, would happen but you've showed us that you care about what we're doing and uh, and that's great so thank you uh, in the meantime take care <laughs>